This is the podcast where two sisters have one hour to develop and pitch a board game concept. I'm Miriam, with me as always is the furry queen of bears, red panda fursona haver, it's my sister Georgia. It's me. I've been outed. (laughs) I mean, I'm not exactly that shy about being a furry. I'm like, you know, the fun kind. I had, I was like at an early like freshers event at university and someone got confronted on whether they were a furry and they were like, I'm furry friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm like a supporter of the furry community and also a peripheral member of said furry community. I don't know that I've done many of the important things that would make you a real furry, like commissioning furry art or anything like that. Mm. So uh, you know, I'm just I'm very friendly. It's yet to come. You can you can in uh, in your what thirty second year of life, thirty third thirty third year of life, you can get into those things. It's finally time to pay someone to draw me as a red panda and be sacrificed on the cross. <laughs> yeah, that if I'm gonna do that, this is the year. All right, we're off to an incredible start. <laughs> what are we doing this podcast again? <laughs> we. Just we, we know, we don't design a board game. We think about what would be a cool board game and chat about it a bit. Yeah, and I'd say like one board game in six that we come up with is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a solid rate, to be honest. So let's see if today's one of the <laughs> lucky ones where it comes out good. Um, what mechanic do you want us to jam on today? I wanted to have a go at an area control game not a mechanic that I really like uh, love to get into in general but I recently had a trip to the cafe where I played a couple of games that were area control games that were doing something a bit different one was a word game and one was a game about trees in the forest and it was about like spreading your leaves to cover the ground um so they that was quite interesting and I thought I like it when game tried to do something a bit different with that mechanic so that was my thought what about you um so i wanted to do a game that was collaborative or cooperative instead of competitive which i think is quite an interesting idea to combine with area control yeah something that's quite competitive in it's sort of mm. i know i think there's some interesting ways we could go with it it might end up not being like your purest definition of area control but or arguably we could also make it not the purest definition of cooperative like it could have individual win conditions and a cooperative mm-hmm. element as well something like that yeah i don't need it to be you know purely cooperative it could also be area control against an automated opponent mm-hmm. we yeah. love to do an automated opponent here at big crow games yeah uh for your digital vampires your yeah. Uh, the monster from the casino in nine minutes. <laughs> was it? Did it end up being a monster, or was it? No, I think that was, was just a dive game. Yeah, but there was a there was a mechanized opponent in that, mm. like an automated opponent. The uh, the like corrupting influence in labyrinthians, the scary darkness at the center of the maze. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what about theme? Did you have a theme idea? My theme idea is very broad, which is that I would like the game to, in some way, be calm, soothing, or relaxing. The theme of the game. The gameplay could arguably not be that, but I would like the theme to be about calmness in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not been feeling particularly calm recently, uh, much to my mental detriment. 
Uh, so I quite like the idea of, of intentionally embracing calmness. Okay. Um, I didn't want to go, well, similar to you, I did not want to go too tight with my theme idea because I think it's more interesting when you have a, a mechanic idea that's relatively specific, it's more interesting to kind of see what flies out with theme. I think that it would be interesting if we could do it to try for a area control game where the the thing we're representing with areas is not land or in some way we're not dealing with like a stereotypical map um yeah i think that's something that we really like to do as a, a studio as well isn't it you know a racing game without vehicles uh, you know a movement game without dice things like that like we like to sort of if we're going to do something that's a well-trodden path we like to find a new way to tread it yeah so I did have one thought about maybe putting these ideas together, but I'm not sure if I like it or if it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. So I thought I might float it, which is kind of like the idea of kind of retaining, re- regaining control of your thoughts when you're spiralling. Okay. So I was thinking about maybe having some kind of abstract uh, representation of like your mind or your thoughts or something when you're going through like a panic spiral mm-hmm. and maybe you're trying to control areas of your own thoughts or thought patterns while the sort of the the feeling of panic is trying to make you lose control of those Ooh, super interesting immediately giving in the clearing as like sort of the game's kind of like solo or cooperative and representational yeah i did think that it might be sort of similar to in the clearing but I was imagining something much more gamified something that's not actually meant to be meditative in the playing mm. of or anything but mm. it's just the theme is maybe a bit to... more dream the world yeah it's a bit like that as well we, you know there are things that we like to touch yeah. on um I have played a cooperative game that kind of uh like uh it has some similar elements to that it's a two-player cooperative game about like a struggling relationship and it's called and then we held hands um oh i think i've heard of this it's very it's a very small box very kind of odd so you have cards that have emotions on i'm trying to remember what the mechanics are it's basically you need to get both of your like pieces to the center of the maze and the nodes of the maze are different colors and there's uh two sort of positive quote-unquote emotions two negative quote-unquote emotions and whether an emotion is positive or negative i think determines like what direction you can move in but the nodes are different colors that relate to specific emotions i don't remember precisely but i remember it being quite challenging like i played it with somebody um and you are not supposed to talk to each other but we had to talk quite a lot to like get into to understand what the good strategy was for this okay um sounds kind of interesting like some some points of relationship maybe we stick a pin in the idea that i just articulated and i don't know if anything sprang to mind for you um yeah i'm not sure i was as we were sort of talking at the beginning of the episode i was thinking about another like 
solo slash co-op game I've come across, which is one of those games that's barely a game. It's was it's like basically a deck of cards that has like fire on one side and snow on the other. And you start with fire everywhere, but you're only ever able to turn over a card that's on top. But then you can place that card somewhere else. So it, it's... You it's an to, activity. Yeah, it's an activity. You sort of have to try and like recover the area um it's but i it made me think of that the thing you were describing i guess the kind of like trying to regain area and it it feels like it could be a mechanic that you could gamify a bit more yeah there's something about the idea of putting out fires like thinking about when i'm in a mental spiral like you know that one negative thought will spawn two new ones again this is a little bit like dream the world i suppose like you wouldn't i don't think we'd want to be doing another kind of flip tiles Mm. thing but instead you know i wonder if we think about different ways that air like area control could be expressed like could you do it as a roll and write with like coloring in pathways or um, things like that. Maybe not a roll and write, but you know, like a game where where you do representations by drawing or colouring, for mm. example. Yeah. So I think that the for me the kind of most intuitive way to make a cooperative game, which is area control, is that the controlling the areas would not necessarily be directly like score or success related but rather it would like give someone kind of advantage or disadvantage so like in the roll and write idea that you just just pitched it would be like you would start with access to a very small area of the map and the area that's outside that is maybe controlled by the like hypothetical opponent the the and that increases the risk towards you in some way perhaps um affects chance or something Mm. like that so then it matters controlling area matters but it's not purely a struggle for area and but you could potentially win while not controlling most of the map yeah um, thinking about cooperative games, like one of the things that works in a lot of cooperative, like more strategic cooperative games, is if different players can do different things, like have different roles or abilities. So I was thinking about, you know, in area control, there's kind of two key things that you do to win. One is like claim new areas, and the mm. other one is like hold existing areas and one of the things that often happens when you're playing area control is you have to decide whether you kind of spread quite thin so that you're holding a lot but it's not very well defended or whether you try and sort of um consolidate Mm -hmm. i wonder if that's something that where that could be like shared across particular team roles so you know one player like all players can claim new territory and can hold territory but one player can hold territory more easily while claiming territory it's more it's more difficult for them to claim but easier for them to hold or something like that mm-hmm. okay I yeah don't... do we need to start timer yeah. 
I don't mm. I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet, but on the other hand we're ten minutes in. Yeah. Maybe I'm... we just pull the trigger and start timer. Yeah, let's pull the trigger. <laughs> I feel like anytime we're worried it comes together so quickly and anytime we're like, <laughs> we should just jump in and trust ourselves. It's a struggle. <laughs> Imagining something with dice. Um yeah, I'm not sure what our starting point wants to be, but... Yeah, I feel like maybe we need to spend a little bit more time thinking about how the theme might work. Um, and maybe also... Yeah, I th- I, I'd i like to know... Are we doing something that's like a calm area control game, you know, where it's like, control an area of a meadow? <laughs> <laughs> or is it the kind of like beat your own spiraling thoughts idea like i can see that that's a little bit close to things we've done before so i'm happy to like step away from it in that it's kind of like sitting at the intersection of dream the world and in the clearing Mm -hmm. and maybe even a couple of other things that we've done (laughs) like i do see that (laughs) i mean the more games we make the denser the they're going to be on the field of ideas i guess um I don't know, sometimes a brand new thing just forms. (laughs) I am thinking about an idea which is not fully formed at all. But what if we need to... Perhaps we have a a field or map that's full of lines. They could be like squiggly lines that are all over the shop. And perhaps we need to like build a path from one end to the other I'm, I'm really like dealing in very abstract stuff here so none of that stuff could be <laughs> true I'm sort of thinking like it could be a thing where maybe say you roll a die and like Catan style each little section has a die number that you roll that and then you can colour that in and be like yeah we've got that and then I was thinking about like perhaps then you roll a die and every single space that you don't occupy that has that number maybe like spawns an enemy or whatever like causes some kind of problem for you okay is this making sense i it's... think so are you imagining this being played on like a roll and write type surface like a whiteboard or a sheet of paper yeah okay of. i mean all of this could be transferred to a board or you know like depending on the way the game itself works but that's sort of what i was thinking about like you it's area control in the sense that like controlling areas reduces the risk and also you need to like create a path or achieve something through coloring or filling or or owning areas i don't know it made me think of something which is like I cannot think what it was called. It was the kind of like 90s video game, quote unquote, that came with your PC. So it would be like Ski Free or Minesweeper or something like that. But it was a game where balls, like bouncing balls kind of moved around, a little bit like Breakout. Mm. And your job was to subdivide the screen in order to contain the balls to like constrain them to a smaller and smaller area so when you subdivided an area of the screen and there weren't any bouncing balls in it it became locked off and belonged to you 
and you were trying to like colour in more than half the screen and it got more and more difficult as there were more and more of these oh. so something something like what you were saying like if you could join two points and there were no enemies inside the area constrained by those two points you would sort of gain ownership of it but then on the other hand there might be more things within a smaller area that you then had to avoid mm-hmm. I'm not sure what makes it yeah. gamey Hmm. Decidedly not tasting a pheasant just yet. <laughs> I don't care how many times I make that joke on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So, can I talk about some of the games that we played the other day? Yeah, I'd love to know about this out. word one. So, it was an area control game in sort of the lowest kind of level. Basically, it's called Word Domination. It's great. It's themes you're like arch villains and you have zeppelins and you, you're trying to like claim sort of quote unquote territory. The territories are letters and certain letters, like the more rare letters, have abilities like you, uh, is, F is like fusion reactor, re- reactor or Z is like something else. So these, they have like special abilities you can use. Basically, you lay out a grid you use your little zeppelin tokens to like place on letters to spell a word and on your next turn if you can place a zeppelin on a space where you already have one then you get to steal that tile and it enters your like available letters that you can use in any on any turn but if you place a zeppelin on someone else's a space with someone else's zeppelin you like knock them off it's very simple it's area controlled because you score additional points for like having your like stolen tiles all be in one block so um and it's also kind of area control in that sense that you just like claim it you know you know like put a stake on a tile by having your zeppelin on it it's more fun than it sounds I it sounds like, fun I, it sounds like the kind of thing i would really like yeah i mean me and you we're, we're decent at like spelling games it's basically the only kind of game i can ever beat my partner at um, so uh, she gets to be good at everything else to be fair you are also better at games that require like uh, limited communication or a kind of shared like repository of information with another person mm-hmm. you're, you're better at games that have like well, and this sounds shady but I don't mean it this way games that rely heavily on theory of mind you are better at <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, okay, that sounds really cool. And I like that that is a really like different take on area control. One of the things that I think I might be coming up against here is that I haven't played that many area control games. We talked about some examples, because um, I've never played Risk. Mm. Um, I've never played Catan. I don't even think that is an area control game, but I'm not. No, exactly. not really. Yeah, um, but you just you used it as a reference point before, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I never played it. Is Catan- I've never played Catan. I've never played Risk. I uh... played Monopoly, which you said is an area control <laughs> it's game. Not, but I've played the Discworld Ankh-Morpork game, which I oh, think technically it? is an area control game. Monopoly sort of is area control because it's not just you're trying to get the sets. It's also if someone lands on it, they have to. Hey, yeah, and it's it, like there are tactical things, and you might choose to let an area go to consolidate your strength somewhere else. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't have masses of experience in the genre, so I'm finding it hard to like 
you know, I want us to be like, yeah, we're subverting this like really well-trodden path, but I don't know that I've trodden the path enough to like <laughs> make a, a convincing subversion. Um, so I was just trying to think about like what what it would be like to have an area control game where one or more people plays against an automated mm-hmm. opponent, which is sort of what we've already been talking about. So like things that could happen you roll a dice and that determines what areas your opponent mm. like controls that turn or it a dice roll or a card pull determines what move they make mm. next like how they consolidate whether they decide to advance or consolidate yeah um and then i was also maybe thinking about like a push your luck mechanic another thing that we really mm. love to do so maybe the automated opponent you have some level of influence Mm-hmm. Like, there's a minimum number of tokens you have to pull for them, but, like, maybe there's some risk-reward to, like, pulling more. Mm. Or maybe your move depends on risk-reward, but you might pull something that advantages the automated opponent. I don't know if any of that sounds interesting. Okay. I... Right, talking about an automated opponent, I really don't want to do this because in my my head this is, like, the most boring and obvious version of some of the things we've been talking about but I'm putting it out there put it out there you know Pandemic and how Pandemic has have you played Pandemic? I have played Pandemic it has the map and it has the kind of network of cities and the diseases that you're working against they're automated um, in some some they're in a deck they're like there's a deck of cards and you you know place a number of cubes on the city that comes up but then also if you get three cubes on a city and you would need to add another one there's a breakout and it like spillover event type thing so again this is nothing but i was sort of imagining based on your like kind of like panic type mm. idea could you have a map i wouldn't it wouldn't i wouldn't say it like represents your brain that's terrible but it could be a type of thing where the the automated opponent spreads via a network yeah so you can sort of tell where it has the opportunity to go and you can try and block it off and then if it like goes by a certain path it floods a certain area and has control of that area or whatever so this is very similar to what i was thinking including i did specifically i originally had this thought of like is it a map of like your brain and i thought no that's lame i don't (laughs) want to do that but I did think about whether it could be something that was more like your thoughts. Um, that, you know, it's... Like, maybe there are only certain places in which the opponent's influence can move to another location. Mm-hmm. So, like, I won't start panicking about ideas to do with mortality until I've started panicking about ideas to do with time. <laughs> <laughs> so... It, you know, like maybe the those opportunities to move from pathway to pathway could kind of um, like move slowly at first and more quickly. So like at first the automated opponent only has one opportunity to jump from a location to another location, but then that location has two outdoors and the next location has three mm. kind of thing. That was sort of what I was thinking. I'm not quite sure how you would represent that except for maybe in a sort of concentric outer circle Mm. so moving from the outside to the that's from the inside to the outside or something like that 
I sort of started imagining, because in theory the goal of this game would be the opponent... Is the opponent representative of your panic and your panic is going places? Or is the opponent represent... Or like the quote-unquote opponent could be good or bad, but is just simply representative of where your thoughts are? Because then, you know, we could potentially move that piece or whatever it is to a place that isn't bad Mm, like redirecting so like that would that would be more in the sort of in the clearing kind of like an educational game about (laughs) managing your thoughts (laughs) Uh, which i'm totally not opposed to i could almost see this as something that sort of has this theme secretly that it's kind of like an abstract game Mm. almost but like how like Here's a potential idea, is that it is sort of maze-like in its construction with pathways from, let's say, the outside to the inside, but it's kind of like two mazes side by side, kind of like lobes of a brain, but just not overly Mm -hmm. representative in that way. Mm. Because that kind of like twisty maze Mm. shape might kind of work for that. Mm. Um, And maybe to win the automated opponent has two cores that it has to reach. Okay. So maybe it's got, like, maybe something could happen that would allow it to add an extra piece or something. I'm not sure exactly what. Okay. But your role, your the role of the the one or multiple players is to, like, use their unique abilities to try and block off... I like this now. I feel like the, you describing the mazes and the idea that the opponent needs to get to the centre is making me feel... it. It's giving me much more the sense of an area control game, like we need to try and hinder them by like blocking sections and the maze itself could be divided up into sections that like don't mean anything to the opponent except for like if if we're in that you can't enter it yeah yeah so maybe like just the sort of possible suggested moves or abilities that players might have like they might be able to move between sections more freely so not have to like they might be able to like ignore a certain number of doorways or something but maybe they could also spawn like a little blocker so like one type of player could have a secondary piece so that they could hold down one area and mm-hmm. move as well or yeah something i mean not to be too sort of you know forbidden island about it but maybe there's like Actually, no, that's a kind of slightly retreading old ground. I was thinking, like, would there be secondary objectives for the players? But I think the objective is just to prevent... Mm -hmm. To prevent the automated opponent, however that works, from holding two central nodes for a full round. Okay. Something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure, because if the... If the opponent starts at the outside, then you would automatically win? Yes, true. There Um, would need to be something... I also think we would need to discuss, like, how how you would easily determine the path that the opponent's going to take. Because it would have to follow rules that would be obvious enough to the player. Like, it would be easy to say, like, it just follows the most direct path. Yeah, but that's the center, but like that's not always going to be easy to. It's also not interesting. Yeah, you sort of want it to behave in a way that's much less rational than that. Mm. 
Um, could you colour code segments or uh, sort of concentric areas of the map and then have an automated system that combines numbers with colours or something like that to determine the direction and spaces that it moves so that sometimes it might the thing is you don't want it to like you don't you sort of don't want complete randomness but you don't want a sort of like terminator like march to the center um maybe instead of it being two central points it might be simpler to think about one central point Mm -hmm. i'm not sure but like it needs to be sort of difficult enough for the players to win but not so difficult that they never never win like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so thinking about how that might work luckily we've got loads of time Mm -hmm. because we didn't start the clock till kind of late so yeah you made a point about like it's something that would move along a predicted network so maybe i was kind of thinking about like quite a traditional maze that was sort of made of like interconnected chambers with different numbers of entrances and exits but what if it was more like what you said which is like interconnected nodes so kind of like dots with lines that join some of them mm-hmm. and don't join others mm. um is that something so like yeah i think that there you could you could certainly do that in such a way that it you would it players would know when they were cheating by moving it well, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm quite what I'm saying. I think, no, but that, like, you could make it so that the movement rules of the opponent, it would be obvious when the players were interpreting that in a way that benefited them. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, like, you could have a sort of overarching rule, a kind of rule zero. It will always try and move towards the centre. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's, like, a turn counter or something. So there's some kind of, like, you have to stop it reaching the centre by... 10 to by a count of 10 you know like count slowly to 10 to stop yourself from freaking out Mm. um but it would be good it would be a sort of a powerful enough opponent that it could without blocking it could do it in four or something like that okay 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 i want i'm i this i guess risks taking this in like an overly abstract slash surreal direction like the thing I'm about to say, I feel like you could either do it in a boring way or kind of an interesting way that might be too, I don't, I don't know, like surreal or whatever. What if every node has some attributes, like could be colour or a descriptor or could be literally a word that describes it or a symbol or something. Okay. And the way that we're able to access nodes is like having cards in our hands or something and maybe there's sort of like a hand management aspect where you like want to think about what you keep in your hand and cards could hypothetically be played to access more than one node in different ways i was kind of imagining a game in which that was very a very interpretive kind of like dixit style but i think maybe not that Yes, I also think maybe not that because this is also drawing on something else. I'm just trying to look up what it's called. What was the episode that we did with Will? Oh, um, Mind Map. Mind Map. So, but I, that doesn't mean I don't like it. I actually really like it because it's, it's different enough. 
here's like a possible suggestion. So it would be hard coded into the board design. Let's imagine that like to get to the middle, there are five concentric rings of like loosely interconnected icons. They're not all connected to each other, but there are lots of different pathways between them. And on every ring, there's a, a the node that belongs to the opponent. Okay. So it its move is always to try and get to the next node, its next node on the concentric ring. It'll always move towards it, following like an inwards path, uh, unless it is blocked by something that a player does. That's either like placing their meeple or placing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the players, I guess, can't sit on the yeah. opponent node. You have to move every turn or something. Yeah, um, something like that. But so the role of the players is to do the card management thing you were saying to try and blockade mm-hmm. the, this, the movement of this thought mm-hmm. from the outside to the inside via its own nodes. And it will have multiple paths that it could mm-hmm. use. So yeah, there would need to be a way to balance it for player count, I guess. But what that would be, I suppose would be something like a single player or two player group would have to use one of the player types that gets two tokens. Yeah. So I'm sort of imagining that I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, this automated opponent would always follow the same path given the same conditions, right? Like. I guess probably there's a random start point for it, or... One possible way to make that not the case would be for all the nodes to be, to not have a specific set, and then you just draw off the deck to say which node on each concentric circle belonged to the opponent, and then you you could even have like multiple nodes, nodes in concentric circles, so... Mm -hmm. to make it a bit more difficult Mm -hmm. okay that might be one way of solving that so you don't know what it's going to be and you don't know what route it's going to take yeah and then i was basically imagining that the way that like all the rest of the nodes could be represented is maybe there's like i think it would have to be quite a lot of things in my mind like maybe there's six different colors and six different symbols or something Mm -hmm. and each one is a combination of two of those things and so the cards that you have in your hand can either be a colour or a symbol or something and you're basically hmm, I'm not sure I think the way that players are able to move would have to be different from the way the opponent is mm-hmm. is working so it couldn't just be like oh I've got a green lightning bolt in my hand so I discard the green lightning bolt and I move to the green lightning bolt on this circle it would need to be maybe something more like I need to like I want to get to the green lightning bolt on the board, so I discard a green card, a lightning bolt card, and then additional cards up to the number of spaces I need to move, or something like that. Ooh, okay. Quite so, a large hand size then, maybe, or maybe not? I yeah. guess you just decide where you're going, and it's not necessarily like the final destination you want to get to, but just yeah, what it's you can a, do that turn. It's kind of about positioning yourself on the likely path mm. of the opponent. Yeah. And maybe it could be that 
instead of having just to discard that entire number of cards each card could just have a value that's like one two or three steps yeah um, yeah so you would discard up to three cards but it could be fewer than three so let's say you needed to move two spaces in the direction of the nearest green lightning bolt if you have a card that's green lightning bolt and two you discard that card and do that mm-hmm. but otherwise you could do it with two cards you know one that's a green lightning bolt and one that's a Mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. yeah or with three like yeah. so you would use the the color the icon and the number from any combination of cards yeah i don't think you would be able to do the total i think it would have to be like the unique number so your maximum move is three or or do we allow the total yeah maybe uh, the total's good the total yeah so any any so it would be a maximum move of nine and a minimum move of one mm-hmm. where you choose just to use one yeah it would but be like you can up only... to the total numbers yeah well you maybe you can only draw up a certain number of cards at the end of your turn so you know the further you move the more limited you then yeah be. okay yeah i like that um hmm okay cool this is making sense so far. <laughs> okay, should we should we sort of do a quick rerun on what we've talked about so far? Do you want to sort of try and describe it to check that I've communicated my bits clearly? Yeah. Okay. So um, we, the like team of cooperating players, are trying to prevent an automated opponent from reaching its like desired destination in the center of a maze still not entirely clear what that like how we definitely know we've won there but perhaps it's possible to trap it oh Um, i quite like that so that it doesn't have a an onward path i i was imagining a a turn count so like okay yeah you get to 10 turns and if it's not made it to the center or if it's not in the centre at the end of your 10th turn. Mm-hmm. So it could get to the centre and there's some way of you like ousting it. I'm not sure what that would be. Okay. It might be quite nice if that could be physically represented to make it feel a bit more organic. Like it, the, the thing has like a decay. I don't know. I'm, the, the stupid thing I'm imagining is like a stack of tokens and every turn you take one off. And then if it, then if you take off the last token, then it's like it's not it doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> yeah i do quite like that like um so the thing i was imagining which is like less imaginative is like if it gets to the center and then you like if all the players can get their piece surrounding it so because it's going to be like a central node with a mm-hmm. like a, a ring around it so if you can get every player's piece to like surround it mm-hmm. maybe but that's i don't know i'm not i'm not sure mm-hmm. okay so anyway continuing the maze is a series of not not like illustrated rings but basically like a a a lot of nodes arranged in like essentially concentric rings and connected by a few pathways between each set so so maybe each node has like somewhere between two and four connections to nodes around it and within each ring there is one node which randomly generated like belongs to the opponent and they will that opponent will using however much movement it has on its automated turn always try and move to its next 
innermost, like next inward node. Could we make it so perhaps the opponent draws off the same deck that the players do? And okay, but we, then it's not beheld by the symbols, only the step. Numbers? Yeah, only the step numbers. But then that's I'm not sure. Mm. Returning to the recap. Yes. Um, so every node has a combination of symbol and colour. Now is this, does that vary or would a lightning bolt always be green? I was imagining that it would vary. So you would have like a red, yellow, blue and green lightning bolt, for example. Okay, right. So that you, because otherwise the the movement mechanic that we described before doesn't quite make sense. Mm-hmm. No, I, was, I wasn't sure whether you were imagining like colourblind friendly symbols connected to colours and then just yeah anyway so players can move their own pieces which are effectively blockers that prevent the uh, opponent from moving by playing uh, they need to play a card which represents like a symbol in the direction they're moving and cards which total the number of steps they need to take between nodes in order to make that move. Do they need to land on the card that they're... No, no, they don't need to. That's just directional. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they would... Like, it would need to be a node that they were travelling towards, so it would need to be an identifiable node. So that's where the colour and symbol comes in. So to get to a green lightning bolt, they could discard either a green lightning bolt card or a green card and a lightning bolt card. Okay, cool. That's nice. We might want to have some kind of like Hail Mary, refresh your hand. Yeah, I think you would want to do that. Um, Maybe whenever you want. Like, is that, would that be, like, if it's a, if we're working through the deck, if there is, if, hold on. (laughs) I'm trying to do complicated thinking. Smoke is coming out my ears. So I think on every, is every node on the board unique or is every node in the concentric ring unique but there's a green lightning bolt in most concentric rings i'm not sure of that yet yeah i'm not sure either it's sort of difficult to like visually imagine numbers like in the scenario i was suggesting where there's six numbers six symbols that's 36 nodes if they're all unique which feels like a lot but at the same time possibly not enough yeah to me that seems like not enough yeah. And maybe you'd want like 8 and 8 for a total of 64 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, so let's imagine that it is 64. You could, if, if they are all unique, then the deck of cards could be either just 64 with numbers randomly distributed on the cards, or it could be triple 64, which is to say 196. Um... <laughs> hundred, you know, in that kind of realm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 192. That was close. Uh, and then you can just, like, you could dunk your hand at any time for a mm-hmm. chance to draw that many cards back up again. Yeah. Like, once per turn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um... Maybe in place of taking a proper turn, but maybe not. 
Yeah, well, I mean... Might be one of those things that's a different rule for a game with three players versus a game with one. I guess it depends... Like, okay, the you would only need to have 192 if the deck running out was a lose condition, right? Otherwise yeah. you could just recycle. Shuffle it back up, yeah. So do we have a separate lose condition that's not the opponent reaching the central node? I hadn't imagined so. Mm-hmm. So it could just be a 64 card deck, yeah. which I constantly think is, refreshing. Yeah, you could that that could play into strategy. Like you could have a hand of cards that, like, you're like all of these symbol color combinations are like towards the center of the maze, and it's the first turn. So like, I might as well just dash these and hope to get the chance to get them later in the game. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Um. Do we want to think about modelling the opponent movement? Like, could just be... Like, if they're always going to follow a rational path towards mm-hmm. a node of their of their symbol... Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was thinking is that, like, the next ring could have multiple symbols that, they're mo- that belong to the opponent. So mm-hmm. that would be, like, a bit of a strategic decision, like, do you think... Now that you've got, now that you've started talking about this, I'm realizing that, like, I, you know, I was imagining like that both me and my piece and the opponent's piece are on the like second ring in, mm. and it's trying to get to its one node on that ring. If I stand in its way, I was kind of still imagining the maze scenario where it would need to like turn all the way around and go back around the whole ring to get. Yeah. Into the ring further in, but it doesn't actually need to do that because it can just take any of the paths. Yes. So this is something I've kind of been wrangling with, thinking about the concentric rings. Are they complete? Like, so we're imagining like rings with nodes, and the nodes have connections in. Mm. But like, is every node on a ring connected to its neighbours, mm. or are there neighbour gaps? Yeah, good question. I think neighbor gaps would be key to making it an actual maze because while it would like while your goal when standing in your opponent's way is to make it take the long way round so that mm. it can't get there, like it's boring to be like, well all I have to do is get on the same ring as it and be on the side that's closest to it so that it has to go round. But it actually doesn't have to go round. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, because... Because there's lots of connections. So it doesn't have to go that far to bypass my blocking. Yeah, so that's where the cooperative element would come in, I guess. Like, you want to have its multiple options blocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure. Is this bad? No, I mean, this is one of those things that's just, like, difficult to envisage. And the design of the game could, could help like balance this out like figuring out how to design the maze because the tricky part here is that like we've gone for an interesting kind of area control which is like pathway control Mm. so i wonder if we make a bit more of the pathways like what if different connections have colors or something like that okay and then that would have some influence either or maybe both in like what the players can do to influence those pathways so maybe there's a player that can like choose a color and turn those pathways off Mm -hmm. something like that 
or that influences what the opponent can and can't do. So mm. the opponent, when you draw what its symbol is, you also draw like three colours that it can use or one colour that it can't use or something. Maybe it needs to end its turn on a particular colour and if it can't legally make that move, it doesn't move or something like that that makes... Or where it's got the choice of two sort of fairly evenly balanced moves like where there might be a decision where the players could choose something that was advantageous to them versus advantageous to the opponent maybe the colour decides it's like a tiebreaker or Hmm. I mean that's not mm, it feels odd to tie that into like first level mechanics if that makes sense yeah okay I don't know I'm not quite sure what I'm saying I feel like the players have restrictions in how they can move. The opponent does as well, but it's purely like it has a number of spaces it can move. Yeah, and I think it should be relatively high. Mm -hmm. So what about a possible suggestion, keeping the idea that different pathways have different colours, and maybe there's some kind of rationale to that, like maybe a pathway leading away from a node shares a colour with the node it leads away from mm-hmm. um, or something like that so you know you could there would be a way of modelling this that sort of reflected the different colours um, but maybe there's an opponent type like not an opponent type sorry a player type so how in Forbidden Island like the diver can move over sunken areas or cleared areas uh, you'd have an opponent type that when they block can spawn blockers on the same colour pathways okay. like on say the two nearest same colour pathways or something like that okay like I'm not sure if yeah. that's exactly it but there's like some kind of player power that is influenced by mm-hmm. by pathway colour yeah yeah again this is all quite hard to imagine like I feel like what I was trying to figure out was like is is the opponent's life too easy but it is just a thing that we'd have to figure out and balance yeah like i'm sort of having a bit of a thought that might be worth discussing what if the opponent has like the opponent moves from node to node so like the opponent ends its turn on a Mm -hmm. circle Mm -hmm. but the players move from connection to connection so a player would always end their turn on a line okay so you're you're trying to block the line that the opponent would take to get to their next circle, but you would never sit. You hop over mm-hmm. the nodes. So like the cards that you use to determine your direction are like, well, I'll head towards that node, but you would you can't mm-hmm. get to it. Like you can't sit on it. No, you can only you can only be on connections. I like that. Because um... then it's sort of like the players and the opponent are playing on two layers of the same. Yeah. Space. Yeah. I was actually wondering whether you were going to say that the players sit in, like, the the negative space of the map kind mm. of thing. Like, but that would involve the map itself having a lot of connections to make a lot of spaces, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I kind of... I, I do wonder... I, we're running a little light on time, so I... But I, yeah. I feel like we could 
like given more time this is something where the basic idea could be really like zhuzhed up by adding additional ideas and features you know thinking about different abilities that player characters might have or maybe even additional components a version of the game that's harder because there's uh two or more mm-hmm. opponents something like a pandemic style threat level where the opponent gets to draw two movement cards or roll two movement dice mm. as it gets closer to the center because it's like more dangerous you know i i don't think we need to necessarily get in the weeds with that too much with mm. 17 minutes on the clock mm-hmm. but i feel like with time it could be more than what it currently is yeah but i'm fairly keen on what it currently is mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's quite, it's like a very abstract game to, yeah. <laughs> okay, so can we think a little bit, I don't know, I don't know if we're like getting into to, towards the end of the episode stuff, but like, is there any kind of theme or any kind of like paintwork on this? Like, I have to say that I was imagining something fairly minimal and abstract this time. Mm-hmm. But I'm certainly not opposed to discussing a version of this that's more sort of creative in its visual theming and ambitions. Yeah, I, I suppose I want to know, like, where does the, where is this a small box, like, and then we held hands, or is it, like, because it doesn't require a lot, right? It's No, it's, in my mind, it's a, a circular board which could be the kind that like folds up into quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, a deck of cards, probably a dice, and then a set of tokens or meeples. You might have cards for player roles. But yeah, I think this is, I wouldn't call it a small box game, but I'd say like medium, like diamond or um, patchwork size box. Okay. I don't know if that's small box to you. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, yeah, not not fully small box, but yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess... With I... a circular board, you could also have it double-sided. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the, either it's just like a variation where it's kind of like patchwork, where the gameplay's the same, but it looks a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be like a solo game on one side and a cooperative game for two to three players on the other. Mm-hmm. A version yeah. where there's two opponents. I definitely think it's nice to include a solo variant like that gives it a bit more of a niche to me. This might be completely well, it's not completely out of left field because we kind of already talked about it, but um what about with the exception of the shared central node, like two I'm I'm gesturing, mm. this is an audio medium, mm. but it would be like two semicircular maps mm. that lead to the same central node so that if you had multiple players you could sort of split your resource across these two maps but you're trying to fight two opponents at the same time mm. maybe the opponents have like some ability to like boost each other oh okay interesting yes i'm not sure but i thought like just because you know then it's like the hemispheres of your brain <laughs> okay cool so then what do we think the visual identity is I was seeing something that was really quite like it's got a simple colour story of eight stories, it's got a simple iconography 
of eight symbols Mm -hmm. and then it's like black lines interconnecting them Mm -hmm. it's like schematic is what i was about i guess the lines wouldn't be black because the lines have a color relationship as well but you Mm -hmm. know like it's it's schematic in nature Mm -hmm. okay yeah i mean that's essentially what i'm imagining it actually ended up bizarrely similar visually to and then we held hands um, oh yeah, no, it has, hasn't it? <laughs> I haven't even seen it, but you did describe it as a maze with colours. <laughs> Whoops. Um, okay. Uh, cool. Then name. Um. Spiraling. Mm, I quite like that. I, good. I feel like you know, panic or panic attack is way too literal. Mm. Um. I don't know, like... Spiralling's pa- kind of fun. Pathways? Hmm, I like spiralling. I like spiralling. a co-op a- game, because it's kind of, like... It obviously, like, is partly to do with, like, the representation on the board of the map, and it's partly, like, you know, what you're doing when you're letting your thoughts get on top of you. But it's also partly, like, kind of what can happen during a cooperative game, like... Yeah, I was thinking this, like, with if we had more time to, like, design and balance, and by more time I don't mean, like, 15 more minutes, I mean, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. 20 more hours, we could design a game where I think it was possible for it to all get away from you. Like, yeah. something that was quite tensely balanced between what the opponent can do and the limited things that you can do mm-hmm. to create something where it one wrong move quickly turns into a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there are things... Yeah, I think we already talked about this a little bit more, but, you know, like, if there are things that could happen that would increase the threat level of the opponent, Mm. then it would spiral. I mean, I think that, like, the way that we've described the game, that already feels quite easy to me, because... The concentric circles get smaller as you go in, so it's easier. We are constrained, like, we can only move certain ways, and if we just don't have the ability to block the opponent on a particular turn and it can move inward like the amount that we can move is limited like kind of once it's got away from us it's got away from us or yeah we don't have a you might bullet for that situation yeah you might have one player who maybe can move a little faster than other players and you try and like send them in mm. so that they're like deeper in the maze out ahead of the opponent mm. like there, i can see ways that you could like develop strategies yeah um, maybe the solo version of the game you'd get two player powers and two to- two meeples mm. or something so that you're like trying to manage two different types of play at the same time yeah um, I'm really quite pleased with how this came out I think it sounds cool I would be interested to play it like the I, it's the it's not a type of co-op game I've come across before particularly Apart from that one weird game. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. So we pretty much came in exactly at the hour, including our sort of mm. slightly extended discussion at the start. So I'm just going to do a really quick recap, as, that, as we like to do. So today we jammed on the idea of a game that was about a calm theme. Uh, we wanted to make an area control type game, but without a sort of geographic component and I wanted to make a cooperative game. What we came up with is a 
game that we think can be played solo or perhaps with up to three players cooperating against an automated opponent. Uh, your automated opponent represents kind of um, a panic spiral or a, a sort of cascade of negative thoughts trying to move towards the centre of a circular maze using strict movement rules and you as the player characters use player powers and a hand management style of play to try and block the pathways between the nodes that the thought is moving between. We called the game Spiraling uh, and it has kind of a simple schematic type of aesthetic. We think it might have a double-sided circular board possibly with a solo player side and a cooperative side or a simple game side and a complex game side mm. I haven't gone into all the detail but was there anything important that I missed no I don't think so I guess the the fact that your like movement is based on the like colour and symbol like identities of the nodes yes um, cool yeah that was kind of neat I think that would be fun yeah, I wouldn't say this was one of the one in six great games, <laughs> but I'd call it one of the three in six good games. <laughs> yeah, um, sweet. Well, that was a great episode. Um, yeah, we, this is normally where we say thank you to our listener. Thank you, listener. We love you, listener. Uh, we usually say check us out on itch.io, yes. where we are Big Crow Games. We say check out the YouTube. Mm. which you can find by searching Big Crow Games. And if you go to our website, bigcrowgames.co.uk, you can find our blog, which I am probably a fair few episodes episodes behind on uh, the blogs where I kind of flesh out the ideas. Um, But I'm still having fun doing them. And that's what really matters. (laughs) Check it out if you want to see, you know, our ideas, uh, you know, slightly more elaborated um come back next time for more crow jam hey that was a really good clap